Happy New Year, everybody. This is Tony, one half of Lunch with Tea. I'm going to set my phone down here. And I have decided on this January 13th to uh, start my New Year's resolution. I was told when everybody else stops right around the 11th of January, I'm going to go ahead and get started on the 13th of January. So what I'm going to do, I think last year I read a book a month, and I did pretty good with that. So I'm going to tackle something a little bit tougher here. I'm going to invite you all to read a psalm a day with me. That's going to take up, what, a little over half of the year. So we will start, and maybe later on, um, Elliot can join us. The other half of Lunch with Tea, the better half of Lunch with Tea, which I'm sure you all know. Okay, so we'll start with Psalm 1. And I'll read, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, or the way, excuse me, of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Okay, for the most part, all I'm going to do is read, but if I have a little something to share, I'm going to. And today, I do have a tiny something to share. This psalm is a comparison, or it's comparing the righteous to the ungodly. And I love this pattern of speech here because it says, blessed is the man, and instead of jumping to verse 2, you know, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates in his law day and night, he gives you a list of three things that a blessed man is not going to do. So as blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I, um, as a joke, and it's a mild joke, it's not like a gut-busting joke, I like to tell people what they're not going to do. Or in my head say, hey, what you're not going to do is leave every light on in the house and you don't pay this electric bill. Or what you're not going to do is track mud all through my clean floor, take your shoes off and leave them at the door. Um, This is what it's doing here. Blessed is a man who's not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You're not going to stand in the path of sinners. You're not going to sit in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2 goes on to say... uh, what a righteous man does do. He delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now, the Hebrew word for law, well, law altogether, is the first five books of the Old Testament. Okay, I don't know if that would also qualify for believers, for Christians, the whole book, the whole Bible being the law, but technically the law is the first five books of the Old Testament. And um, this law expresses the idea of God pointing out the path for life in fellowship with him. That's from my commentary. I didn't come up with that by myself. So who better to be in fellowship with than the omniscient, omnipresent God who loves us. So it describes here in verse three, what we'll be like if we meditate on his law day and night. So if we do that, we'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. So here you have a tree, and you have a river of water 
What does a tree need to grow? It needs water and sunlight. I'm assuming if the sun comes out, it's going to get the sunlight. If it's by a river, it's getting the water. And rivers usually uh, carry uh, minerals and stuff because it's banging up against rocks or whatever to nourish the soil. So it's, it's provided for. You meditate on God's law day and night, you will be provided for. Okay? This is what I'm getting. Um... Verse 3 also goes on to describe the righteous as bringing forth fruit in its season. Now, take a look at the tree. We have a tree with fruit. Is that tree eating the fruit, benefiting from the fruit, playing with the fruit, whatever? No, that fruit is for others. We're drawn to trees because of the fruit, what it can do for us. Um, Animals, humans, whatever. So we'll be providing our blessing to others, either leading them to Christ or just showing them unconditional love that will eventually lead them to Christ. <laughs> we'll have that fruit there. And it's not something that we do. It's something that God will provide for us that will automatically kind of just come from us. Okay. And it goes on to describe us again, whose leaf shall not wither, which means we'll be stable. The only reason I'm saying that is because in verse four, um, he mentions the chaff, which the wind drives away, which is instability. So we'll be stable. You can look at, read the news. You can be affected by uh, coworkers, kids, it's, you know, other folks at school. And you're not going to be moved by that because you're, again, you're fellowshipping with someone who knows everything. You get wisdom from from the Bible. You get all, all kinds of stuff from the Bible that will keep you from swaying any which way that the wind blows. Okay, so you get stability there when you meditate on his laws day and night. And whatsoever he does, which means the righteous person, shall prosper. Whatsoever he does, prosper, I, I'm still questioning that. Uh, to me, prospering is peace um, in the middle, and I guess peace and stability. In the middle of everything, reading the news, having weird co-workers, not that my co-workers are weird, but having, um, having a bad experience at a grocery store, whatever. It's not going to take me off the path. It's not going to take me out of fellowship with God. So that's kind of a prosper. Everything's going to work together because we love the Lord because we meditate on his law we get to know him a little bit better and so on so the ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind drives away again instability we can look at a chaff or a a reed or just a stick the wind blows or we'll say a piece of paper if the wind is coming from the north you didn't you don't realize it's coming from the north you got buildings coming around that's altering the wind and which way it goes and um i don't know these things the chaff isn't going to have any direction no stability it's just blown away by whatever the environment throws at it. Um, so here we go. The ungodly in verse five shall not stand in the judgment. Why will they not stand? Probably because they're wrong. The opposite of righteous is wrongchous. Think about that. Okay, now I'm being silly. But um, nor let me finish. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So if you're a sinner and you're not willing to give your heart over to the Lord and be washed clean and so forth, a a forgiven sinner, (laughs) and you're not meditating on his law day and night, you're you're not going to want to hang with with a bunch of Christians. You're not going to want to fellowship with the righteous 
because you want to be moved by that wind. You want to just kind of float around and do whatever the wind is, is blowing you towards. Okay. And, um, in verse six, it says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Why does God know the way of the righteous? Because it's his way. He set it up and it's not to hurt us. Right. Okay. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. That's just pretty much, it is what it is. All right. So hopefully, um, this will be the start of us meditating on his laws day and night. Hopefully something stood out to you that'll, that'll carry you through your day or through your, yeah, just through your day. Cause we're going to read this every day and hopefully you'll get something out of this that'll, um, stick with you to get you closer in fellowship with the Lord or keep you in fellowship with, with God, which is our goal as Christians, right? Makes life so much more fun and better. But anyway, we're at nine minutes now. Exactly. I will see you all tomorrow with Psalm two. Hello. Hello. That's our, uh, our theme music introduction. Okay. Welcome. Welcome to lunch with T. I'm Tony. I'm Elliot. Also known as T. I'm having lunch with him. <laughs> right. We on. like to talk when when we're eating together, but no, we're really not eating. Sorry. Right on. We're eating God's <laughs> word. How about that? <laughs> Full meal deal. There you That's go. That's right. So today we are continuing uh, our series of 25 verses leading up to the Christmas Advent. This is day number two. And uh, the portion of scripture that we are, a passage of scripture, I say portion, I'm just, just have it. Uh, the passage of scripture is from Isaiah chapter 52, verses 7 through 9. And uh, we got a good one for you today. Just all, always love going back through the prophet Isaiah, mm-hmm. and uh, especially when, when talking about uh, Christmas and coming up on the birth of Christ. Isaiah covers so much about uh, the first and second coming. And so it's just good to be uh, familiar with some of these key passages that come uh, again, out of the uh, Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, which we should not neglect. That's right. Unfortunately, we do. <laughs> it's easy for us, especially with Christmas, to jump right into the New Testament. Right into Luke. <laughs> and uh, Matthew, Luke, and, uh, you know, we love those, uh, you know, passages of Scripture, but uh, it's good to have some uh, Old Testament uh, Hebrew Bible footing. Yeah, it's been good and, for me because uh, I usually jump into the New Testament. This is good going through this with you and. You've shed some light on um, on where Christ is in the Old Testament. Right on. All this time I've been in church and didn't didn't really get into any studies. Right on. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So Tony's going to read for us verses 7 through 10, and we will jump right into it, okay? Okay. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices. With their voice they shall sing together, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into joy, sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm and is in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. All right. Thank you, Tony. Uh, just to go back here a little bit, you can see at the beginning of this chapter 52, 
uh, you see in Isaiah this this uh, phrase, awake, awake. Um, and what you have is a picture here of a city, Jerusalem. You know, it's been speaking of Zion and Jerusalem. Uh, you'll see the overlap between the two. Uh, a city that's besieged, that's surrounded, that's ready to be taken by force. And uh, there's watchmen on the walls. And so there's this sense of anticipation of what is about to happen. Uh, now, if you're reading this in context, then you go back and, and look at uh, Isaiah. Uh, this awake, awake, this is the third time that this has shown up. Uh, showed up uh, in verse, excuse me, uh, Isaiah chapter 51, verse 9. And then also Isaiah 50, 51, verse 17. So in the prior chapter, verses 9 and 17, you see this awake. Now, in, in those sections, you see, especially in the first one, they're asking God to awake, you know, mm -hmm. looking at their circumstances and they are, you know, basically appealing to God what to do. And then God, you know, <laughs> turn around in 52 and it's like, no, you, you wake up, you reposition yourself. <laughs> uh, and it's not just judgment. There is a sense of encouragement uh, that comes with that. <laughs> but notice what it says. Put on your strength, O Zion, just a couple of verses in 52. Put on your beautiful garments. You know, they're expecting a war or whatever. And then all of a sudden there's this hurry up, you know, make haste, kind of, you know, get ready for a different event. Uh, and oh, Jerusalem, the holy city. So I just love this. He, he he talks about, you know, he's coming. And again, we've ha had this theme about his arrival, his coming. We think about Christmas. But again, these Old Testament Hebrew passages are speaking of, again, a time where Israel, where they were expecting Messiah to come. And then, so I, I love this because remember they're under Babylonian captivity. Mm -hmm. uh, but notice it says, For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise. Sit down, O Jerusalem. And in, in, in a sense, take your place. Take your spot. Mm -hmm. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of, of Zion. So he's coming to set them free. And then the next portion in verses uh, 3 through 6, uh, you, you see this history where they go back to um, you know, if God is going to deliver them, if he's going to come, what sense of hope or expectation do they have that he's going to show up, that he is going to deliver them? And I love this because it's a good reminder, a cue for us to, to look back at God's history, you know, what he's done. In this particular context, he mentions, he references back his delivering his people from bondage out of Egypt. And I love it because you get the hard attitude that uh, God... He will only tolerate his people being in bondage for so long. He may be upset with them. There's judgment coming. You know, this is where Israel, you know, northern Israel and Judah were. He's definitely been a lot of judgment going on in the first 39 chapters. But then here you see God's attitude like, you know, it's his reputation that's on the line. And he cares enough for his people to come to them. So much so. That he's not just going to send some, you know, send an angel or send some other program or some, you know, other Calvary. He's going to come himself. Mm. Uh, and then so that's just incredible to think about. And again, those passages and, and notice here down in verse six, when he is come again, when I say his reputation is on the line, his name is blasphemed, you know, and, and you see this, you know, and Moses and different ones saying, God, look, if you don't get us out of this, it's not just, you know, our, to our destruction and our hurt. But then what are people going to say about you, about your ability to save us, you know, mm -hmm, basically? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and God, res you know, responds to that. He, he does stand up. He is concerned about his name and about his reputation. 
uh, so much so, again, he's willing to go through great lengths to deliver his people. And then he says in verse 6, Therefore my people shall know my name. Uh, therefore they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. And we've seen that before in, in uh, Isaiah, this sense of God's presence. Mm-hmm. And he shows up and he's going to disclose himself. He's going to reveal himself. Uh, so that's some of the backdrop. And then, man, bam, you're jumping. How beautiful upon the mm-hmm. mountains are the feet. In the uh, Old Testament times, you know, uh, as they're sitting and there's watchmen on the wall, they would expect news. They didn't have, you know, FedEx. You know, they couldn't send a text message or email. <laughs> so it's little boy running. There's not necessarily a boy, yeah, but a young man running. Yeah, you would have runners. Mm-hmm. And if you, uh, one of the greatest illustrations of this is if you look back in Second Samuel chapter uh, 18. And you see where, um, you know, David, There's there's been a lot of hostility, civil war, so to speak going on with with uh, Absalom David's own son revolting against him and then uh you know David has kind of come back into the city kind of regained his throne so to speak uh and he's had a hot, lot of help with that but then there's the these runners that come to give a report from the war what happens and usually if you saw the runner it was typically good news so when you go back and read second Samuel 18 you get a picture of that and again, a picture here, a city that's besieged, that's surrounded, and then they're waiting for what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, this messenger that comes, you know, bringing this good news in verse mm-hmm. 7. And that's where we get our word, you know, good good things, uh, good news first, and then good things. It's where we get our word for, for uh, glad tidings or the gospel. Yeah. You know, there's a proclamation. And notice, not just how this uh, messenger comes... You know, his feet, this is repeated in the New Testament. Go, go if you jump over and read Romans chapter uh, 10, you know, Paul mentions this about, uh, you know, how, if, how shall they hear, you know, this good news except someone come and preach it to them. Mm-hmm. And he makes reference back to this portion in Isaiah about a runner coming uh, and, and, and uh, how beautiful are the feet of that messenger. And again, a lot, a lot of things with feet, right? Yeah, we talked about they this. say beautiful and feet, and you're like, ah, and plus chances are what, they're running, and the feet are all nasty, and they're sweat. <laughs> but I don't know, I'm thinking, good news, you know how some people, when they get that snot cry? Ooh. You know what I'm talking about, when they be crying, they so, you know, and at first you're like, ooh, but if they're bringing good news, and it's really, really good news, you don't care about the snot and the tears everywhere, you give tears them a big old good. hug, you, you welcome that. How beautiful is the snot? I'm kidding. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? <laughs> Didn't know she was going to go there, but the tears of joy. The tears of yes. joy. No, I, I get it. Well, I so. mean, you know the, the nastiness of the feet, but it's beautiful because it's bringing good news. I get the it. The nastiness of the messy face. I get it. And so, yeah, so with that, you know, and there's a whole study that you could do on the feet, you know, throughout scriptures. <laughs> Uh, one of those least uncomely parts. But here, that's why I make reference of a, a messenger coming and bringing this good news. Um, and and so you see this sense where, again, Paul mentions that in the New Testament, he's making reference to himself and the other apostles in that sense. So uh, here it's a, it's a one messenger, singular, but Paul, he makes it plural. But again, jumping back into Isaiah... Uh, look what the messenger brings. He says, "The one, what what is he going to proclaim? It's peace. He brings good news, number one. But then it's peace. It's shalom. And and uh, any of you that taking the time to study, uh, the kind of the uh, this is a little bit of a different nuance. Whether you're speaking of Hebrew, 
uh, the Hebrew language and that concept of shalom or peace uh, it has to do with um, you know more tranquility than just kind of having this inner peace it's it's even ex your external circumstances uh, things are, are right there's n no sense of things that are uh, kind of on the on the horizon that are threatening mm -hmm. uh, that's all kind of leveled and so it just just uh, for lack of better terms it, lack of better illustration it's more comprehensive than than we think of you know that they uh, so when someone in the Jewish faith says you know uh, shalom it's it's kind of this blessing this this hope that I'm hoping that all of your circumstances will be um, uh, put right so to speak that that will be about this without this sense of threat that you'll actually have uh, you know this incredible sense of peace in all areas of your life um, and so and then notice secondly uh, next he uh, who brings glad tidings of good things again uh, gospel we think of that proclamation who proclaims salvation there is there is going to be deliverance and uh, notice and again I just say here this is totally totally unexpected and if they look around at their present circumstances this is a message that uh, they they really don't have a lot of physical evidence uh, to even respond and believe this message but I, I love it it's he's got it's God's bringing encouragement to them who says to Zion your God reigns hmm. and you know you, we look at our circumstances and uh, you know we, we can talk about and get excited about the coming of Christ and who Jesus is and think about him think about him even as a king but if we really wrestle with you know in our heart of hearts it doesn't look like he's ruling yeah. it doesn't look like he reigns right now at the present and I love this how the New Testament deals with this the author of Hebrews will go into this sense of uh, Christ being made little lower than the angels for a time mm -hmm. being in the incarnation we think of Christmas mm -hmm. Christ coming as, as a, just a babe as a child um, but in his death, burial, and resurrection, and his ascension, the author of Hebrews not only speaks of his humanity, but then also speaks of his ascension, that he's seated at the right hand of majesty. And so now, we don't completely see the rain, but we see, we consider the, the feet of Jesus, that he's made the earth his footstool. And uh, we will see it, though. We will see his reign. You just, we have to wait for it. <laughs> so that takes us right into the watchmen, right? The watchmen shall lift up their voices. With their voices they shall sing together, uh, for they shall see eye to eye. And I, I like this part too. Remember they would set watchmen on the walls to, to report, you know, what's, what's coming? Is it war? Is it good news, bad news? Should we put ourselves in a defensive mode? You know, um, how, how should we respond? And I love this singing, their voices. And we think about this time of the year, singing right? Mm -hmm. Christmas songs. Some of you might not like Christmas songs. I know we have some humbug, humbug people out there. And again, sometimes, to be honest, sometimes it is a tough time of the year for people to um, adjust. We're sometimes thinking about uh, who we don't have, you know, who we're not, who's going on, who we'd love to celebrate with, who we'd love family members or friends, uh, who we would, you know, love to sit around and, and reminisce and talk about Christ who have gone on to be with the Lord or, or again your circumstances maybe like for us right we're on the uh, I think we mentioned this before we're on the east coast mm -hmm. and these last two Christmases you know times the time of the year 
uh, it's a little bit different feel, right? Because yes. we're not necessarily celebrating with our family. You right, know, right. We were able, our family on the West Coast and in Texas, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. where most of my family is. Yeah, last year your mom was here with us, and that was that was great. That helped us, what is it, sing together. <laughs> <laughs> right. That I, I, yeah, yeah, so singing together, right. So this is not a solo act, you know. And, right. and again, that should be a good reminder for us. I think you also mentioned in Facebook when, um, the power of singing together, everybody rejoicing together. That's right. And um, that feel that you get when when you're Christmas caroling and there's others around you or when you're singing, you know, praises to God and there's others singing and agreeing with you. And, right. Uh, you mentioned happy birthday. I thought that was funny. And people just automatically <laughs> join in and it just becomes even more powerful. You know, right. It's like happy birthday. Anyway. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> right. Thank you for that reminder. And it is. And I love it. You can just start out singing a Christmas carol or what, especially some of our favorite and, and people like, join in. And, you know, it's, it should be like that with our proclamation of the gospel. Yeah. You know, it's not just left to be the responsibility of, you know, just a few people to pronounce or be heralds, people yeah. who make a proclamation of what the gospel is all about. Uh, I know we're kind of jumping out of this Old Testament setting when we say that, but I, I, in terms of it being relevant for us, that that's a huge deal. Yeah. And so... Some people are exposed during Christmas time to Christmas music, whether they want to or not, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe for us, it's taking the time to say, what are the really the lyrics in this particular song? They have anything to do with Christ or Jesus, you know, joy and rejoicing. Mm-hmm. What's the big deal? And I think some of us, we sh- you know, it's good for us to take the time maybe to listen to those because we yeah. never know when we will have an opportunity to share the gospel to share and to proclaim the good news. Mm -hmm. And I think if there's anything we're kind of going for, um, this is not like a Bible study on Isaiah where we're, you know, going verse by verse. We're picking out certain portions that have to deal with the coming of Christ Mm -hmm. and the arrival and the advent. And so I think, again, we, it's good for us to kind of seize the time to say, you know what, let's, let's ready ourselves. Let's prepare ourselves to be able to proclaim this good news because there's people uh, who are besieged in that sense at, at present day. They have circumstances that may thre- be threatening to them, that may be you know, surrounding them, yeah. in a, metaphorically speaking, in that sense. And maybe it's you, you know, some, sometimes for us, rather than sitting back and waiting to hear good news, some people, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, man, I really could use some good news right now while you're talking about Christmas and good news, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but sometimes that reversal, you know, is, okay, what about you? What about you being that messenger? What about you taking yourself, you know, across the room, across the store, you know, across the coffee shop? Dirty feet. You, you ain't got to, you know, you ain't, we didn't say you had to put on sandals, but, but <laughs> <laughs> hold to that dirty feet. Yeah, but like your nose. Just being messengers <laughs> and going and sharing the gospel with other people. And then here, notice this. I love this break. For, so when it says, for they shall see eye to eye in verse 6, it's like they will see it and be able to confirm it together. Mm-hmm. Like they, and it's um, uh, in, in agreement, in the totality of seeing. Like we get to see this redemption together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I mentioned there before, uh, this breaking into joy, this singing even when you look at uh, what we spoke of a little bit earlier, and I know I'm jumping back a little bit here about this, look at God's track record. Look at his history. You know, if you're struggling with 
you know, receiving good news for yourself and you're not really motivated to go share with someone else, maybe it's because you and I sometimes need to stop and, and look back at God's track record and see how has he delivered us in the past and maybe mm-hmm. take some time to reminisce on that, to think of that. Because even, let's be honest, I, I think unbelievers even, uh, people who don't know uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, they've had times, if they're human, they've had times in their life where they had yeah. to cry out mm-hmm. to some higher power, so to speak, or somebody <laughs> that, um, f- in their moment of desperation, mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe they, you know, they've said Jesus, <laughs> they've cried out to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not always calling out to some other God, you know, Muhammad or Buddha. I know that's kind of cliche because people have heard that illustration before, but um, people find themselves in tough times, in times of desperation, and uh, we have opportunities to share the good news with them. So again, back to verse nine, break forth into joy, sing together. You know, and I love this because it's not just a passive response. Right. Uh, sometimes it's easy to go through life, to be numb to circumstances, but uh, again, when we hear the good news, when we hear the gospel, there's a sense where I think it's good for us to rehearse. You can yeah. comment on this. Because sometimes we do, man. It's like I heard it before. Why should I, you know, change my posture or respond any different? Yes, you know, I can kind of get through the season. But beyond the commercialism, beyond, you know, just kind of leading up to this one event, how, what is our posture? What is our response? What is our attitude toward the gospel? Have we just become passive? You know, when's the last time we shared the message of the gospel? moment of silence, <laughs> you know, and I'm just challenging to myself yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think it's good for us, again, to look at portions of Scripture like this because we get a, a rekindling the sense of our responsibility to maybe be the voice that goes and shares the good news with someone else. I love like what we saw recently with Charles Stanley, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he was doing an interview with his son, Andy Stanley, uh-huh. and he was asking him about Christmas. He was asking him about, uh, you know, basically saying, hey, Dad, you, you kind of have this uh, habit of, you know, every Christmas morning, it's kind of, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, it's kind of tough for me to get in touch with you because, you know, you're always on the phone. And he just went into sharing how, you know, one morning he woke up, he's not really doing good. Yeah. And uh, rather than just kind of be overwhelmed by his loneliness, he said, you know what, I'm going to call my, a friend and I'm going to share some good news with them. So he called the first person. Just bless, totally blessed the person. They were not expecting the call from Charles Stanley. Not expecting <laughs> Would his you call. expect a call from Charles Stanley? <laughs> <laughs> you got a call from him. I don't know if it, if we were I friends. Just dropped maybe the card in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? When you're in a church and you write down your name, you expect to hear from someone from the office, and they're, oh, this is the pastor. I'm sorry, I got off track. Oh, it's all right. Uh, so so. <laughs> You know, he's calling his friends, so I'm thinking they they do have some sense of who he is, but uh, he called people not as familiar with him as well. But anyways, the point is, he actually, once he made that first call and saw how it blessed the person, then he called someone else. Yeah. And then he called someone else. And then he Mm -hmm. called someone else. Uh, And for him, it just became a habit to call people and to encourage and bless them rather than again, and he saw that as somewhat of a, a remedy uh, for, kind loneliness, of a, yeah. uh, for, for his own loneliness, not to get mm-hmm. caught up in that. So very encouraging. Uh, just to kind of close up here or to move toward the close, 
Break forth into joy, sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. Mm. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. And this is sometimes in theological terms, we refer to the end times and our redemption, our salvation as something that's an already not yet event. Mm. And I think this is one of those uh, statements, you know, where they haven't, they're not experiencing the comfort right now. They're not presently experience experiencing salvation Mm -hmm. but it's just as if it's already happened because of who it who it comes from this this message that comes from the lord himself so they can already begin to take comfort they can already uh begin to think beyond before they even go into captivity which is going to be waste places you know and what happens to jerusalem and what happens to the people carried off into captivity uh, that they'll be able to say, like, even in the, when they look around and see things that are in the, that status of waste, mm-hmm. you know, and I think about that. We talked a little bit mm-hmm. about this, like uh, <laughs> desolation. Right. It's a place where you really can't produce anything. You know, you don't you may not even have the resources that you need. But God can look at a situation and see something that's waste, that's desolate. And he can speak and give encouragement and say, this is going to turn out different. Mm -hmm. And I want you to be comforted. And I want you to be, you're going to be redeemed, Jerusalem, in this. And again, I just uh, get excited to think about it in our own lives. You know, think about the times, you know, when you've really blown it, you know, or really feel like you maybe made a mess of things. Or you have like a series of of times when, I remember Evan one time when he just kind of, when he, oh, sorry. He's going to say the boy's name. Oh, when he was a little, when he was a little boy, (laughs) our son, our oldest son, he was really little. But I think there was a time when um, like the dishes, he had to do the dishes, he had to take out the garbage and, and it just seemed like, Things weren't right. He put his head down. He was too young to be so, <laughs> so dramatic. But he was like, I just can't seem to do anything right. Because <laughs> that's what adults feel. You know, when thing, one thing I, after another after another, it seems like everything's coming in. Bills aren't getting paid. Um, you're late for work. Um, you got into a car wreck. I mean, just everything. You have no money for food. All kinds of stuff. I'm doing that's everything right. wrong. Right. It just seems like everything is wrong. Go ahead. No, that's right. And thank God. <laughs> I'm laughing, but... Those are the situations that God can step into and turn it around, you know, and again, if if he did it before, he can do it it again. again. Look at his track record. There are times when he's gotten us out of some serious jams and there's times whether we know it or not, he could look at us uh, beyond our faults, beyond our present condition and uh, know the redemption that he wants to bring about in that situation. And I love this. This is another Uh, reference to the arm of the Lord. Remember in uh, Isaiah 40 uh, was the first mention of this, the arm of the Lord being revealed. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, Isaiah will continue in this, God revealing his holy arm, his strength. And again, it's not just that it's going to be known to Zion in Jerusalem, uh, but it's going to be made known not just to the eyes of the watchmen, but also uh, in the eyes of the nations. Uh, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And you think about this and should be encouraging, especially for us believers. When we look around, we think about things going on in our government, you know, mm-hmm. and on the on the uh, international scene and uh, some of the turmoil, some of the disagreement, some of the things that cause such anxiety and frustration. And uh, 
God says, hey, look, I'm going to comfort my people. Uh, I'm going to redeem them. And you know what? This this won't just be a little secret thing somewhere under a bushel. This this will be well known. It will be well broadcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we can anticipate that, especially not just thinking of the first coming, the first advent, but thinking beyond that to where we're at now and thinking of a second coming. He is going to come back and he is going to make his, his arm, his strength made known. Uh, he is going to reveal it, and uh, there's other passages of scripture, passages of scripture that confirm this. Every eye will behold it and see it, mm. uh, his salvation. So, for us, let's get on about sharing the good news and thinking yes. of creative ways that we can witness to people about the good news. Uh, we have been the recipients of that. We yeah. have rejoiced together in our churches, on our homes. But it's not just to meant, not just meant to stay. Uh, to just to be relegated to us, it should be something that's broadcast and published. Yes. And so hopefully you've been encouraged by this. We'll continue to work through different passages. So next time we'll be working through uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 15. And again, so we hopefully this will help you rekindle, reassess, reprioritize, revitalize you know your relationship with God and with others. And we hope you have a, a just a blessed uh, season, you know, yeah. headed up into this uh, celebration of the birth of Christ. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> yeah, we made it through the next one. Next time. Um, next time will be what? Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, mm-hmm. verses 8 through 15. All right. Talk soon.